Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode of Living Light Outdoors. On the mic with you, it's story time with Buster. As we jump into this Saturday afternoon, uh, just a little recap of chapter 9 where we left off. Remember we had Mark meeting up with Stephen to kind of talk about what had been happening with their organization that was uh, out to pretty well stop anything that wasn't um, Christ-like in their area. And they had done so. They had won a major battle against uh, uh, someone wanting to come in and bring in a, an adult bookstore. And Mark's concern was, what about the lady? You know, I mean, shouldn't we be concerned about her soul? So that's where we're going to pick up chapter 10. As always, we'll start from our Father's heart. If only you would learn to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. My will would be known to you daily, but you miss out on so many blessings I have for you. I have not called you to walk a life, but death to your flesh, and and through the death comes life, my life for you. Have I not called you to take up your cross daily and follow me, to do away with self and self-will? Have I not called you for my purpose and my purpose only? I see my church, and I know the things that go on in my church. Nothing is hidden from me, but everything exposed in the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. It's Ephesians 5, 13-14 and Numbers 32-23. First love, first love, I am calling you. Look to your first love with me. Many of you make other things your first love. I am a jealous God, and I will remove everything that comes between you and me. I love you too much to have that happen to you. It is not to dishearten you or to discourage you in any way, but so that you will really know the love I have for you. Chapter 10. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Tom moved with Mick and Steely to the steps in front of the shop so they could talk. And talk they did. For the remainder of that morning, Steely and Mick related to Tom the new story of street life in which he had knowingly had played a key role. On that last night, when Tom gave Train his Bible and said that he should read it and do what it said, Train did just that. For six months, all he did was lock himself up in this new Lord and the Word, having only the Holy Spirit to teach him and not having anyone to tell him otherwise. He took every word as not only truth, but truth for him every day. He walked only where he was told by his father, said only what his father told him to say, and told others to do the same, just like Jesus did. The Bible was not just a book to read, but perfect directions on how to live. Jesus was not just a man who lived 2,000 years ago, but the risen, living Lord, who loved to be involved in the lives of those he loved, who loved him. As trusting children, the street church followed only God. 
They loved because he said they should, forgave because it was the only acceptable response, and received the forgiveness that was given them as starving children savor every morsel of newfound food. Dead to self, uninterested in the world, and totally sold out, each new convert received the unattained gospel or the untainted gospel as if it had were given to him or her from the mouths of those who had walked with the Lord himself, bypassing all tradition, spurning any hint of impurity, an unpolluted truth of God's word was planted deep in fertile soil, unhindered by the wisdom of man. The Holy Spirit was able to ignite the truth in hearts pregnant with need and fan it into flame that spread like wildfire. Instances of people meeting in homes, warehouses, and empty buildings to share God's word and to give their lives to Jesus were commonplace. Meetings of 10, 50, 100 would sit in the presence of the Lord and wait for the Holy Spirit to empower them. When it happened, they would go forth and proclaim what they knew in power. Children would stand on street corners telling anyone who would listen about Jesus. Signs, wonders, and healings came as natural overflow of a loving God moving through a surrendered holy vessels. He sounds like the first century church functioning right here, Tom exclaimed, needing to say something, anything to express his astonishment. Steely and Mick looked at each other for a moment. We don't know what you mean, they said innocently. I mean, it sounds like your church functions like they did just after Jesus walked on this earth, Tom continued. Isn't that the way all churches work, they asked, wide-eyed, reminding him of small children. How does it work in any other way? It doesn't, Tom thought, but felt it better that he not say anything. What are we doing here, he inquired. We're getting to that, was the unison response. Mick began relating that as soon as people realized that they had been living sinful lives, even though they were forgiven, they were willing to pay for what they had done. Pushers, thieves, murderers, cheats, pimps, prostitutes, and mass began seeking after the Lord as to how they could make amends for their former actions. It was unanimously decided that the right thing to do was to turn themselves into the police. So one day they all went down to headquarters to confess their crimes and take whatever came their way. What they didn't expect was that their new brothers and sisters in Christ, most of them their former victims, followed them to the station. As a sin was confessed, someone else would volunteer to pay for the crime. Thieves would stand up and proclaim the amount they had stolen, and two or three or four people would vow to pay the debt if given enough time. It became so confusing that no one knew what to do. If there are no accusers, how can there be any crimes? The instance that topped it all off, though, was when Mickey Wilson, with great sobs of repentance, confessed to the vicious beating and murder of Mary Kirtland. During the preliminary hearing, he walked over to Mary's dad and asked his forgiveness in front of everybody. And Mr. Kirtland, Mick continued, stood up, hugged Mickey, and told the judge that he would serve Mickey's sentence for him if the judge would let him. He said Mickey was younger and could do more for the Lord on the outside. That judge was so shook that he said he didn't want any of us back unless we were complaints. So God set us free, and then the judge did too. So here we are, free as birds and forgiven. Ain't God good, Steely exclaimed with the joy of a released bird in flight. Wait a minute, Tom responded after a moment of thought. You mean to tell me that everyone in the church here functions just like Jesus did? They lay their lives down for each other? They always love, always forgive? Mick smiled. Not always, but when they don't get 
together to pray for them. But when they don't, we get together and pray for them. They either start to live as God says that we should, or they don't hang around too long. Why? He he inquired as if that was the only way to function. Oh, oh, I don't know, Tom said, feeling very foolish for asking. Why wouldn't it be that simple? Loving, uncompromising, immovable standards acts as the plumb line, and all actions are directed by the Word of God. But what are we doing here on our way to Papa Joe's? And who was that old man? Tom asked, looking back a couple of blocks to where they had met Emilio and his gang. You're sure getting pushy, preacher man, Mick said, emitting the fake growl and winking at Steely. There was a time that kind of talk would have cost you something. Maybe we should leave you here for a while and see how tough you really are. Sorry, Tom said, getting the point. This was not Henderson's, he thought, and he was not the boss over anyone here, nor was he in his own world. There is a truth to all being equal in God's eyes because of Jesus. Never before had this become so clear to Tom as now. These men, men he would have scorned, passed by and more likely considered much less important than himself, had become his guide, his wisdom for survival, his help in time of need. Tom was as helpless on the street as a small child. The education, success, and savvy that allowed him to excel in his portion in life were as useless here. He had to become so hardened that nothing or no one really mattered to him outside of his own little sphere. Lord, forgive me. Have I been so blind to what you really desire to do with your people? Help me to learn. You off dreaming again, preacher man? Mick inquired. You seem to doze off once in a while when we're talking to you. Have you heard anything we said since you asked what we're doing here? You must forgive me. The Lord is really dealing with me right now. My mind is going about 60 miles an hour. This is all so new to me. Speed kills, man. We'll take it easy on you so you don't crash and burn, okay? Steely said with a big smile that showed he was enjoying being in total charge of this street rookie. Anyway, Mick continued, the Jabowskis, Ray and Sarah, had been saving for a long time for this house in the in the suburbs, you know, to get out of the city. They even had some land and they would go to on weekends. They'd take the bus as far as it would go, and then they'd walk the rest of the way. They'd stay overnight and start back Sunday and get home before dark. Steely jumped in enthusiastically, and we had this meeting, see? Those of us had ripped people off, and God said we should start paying people back. We didn't have no money, but we still all felt like God was saying to trust him. He had it taken care of. That was pretty wild, man, because we couldn't earn any money like we used to, you know? So we told the rest of the church at one of our meetings, Mick continued with raised eyebrows showing signs of irritation at Steely because of his butting in. I mean, we just told them so that they could help us pray. But before the end of the meeting, Ray and Sarah said we were supposed to make a list of all that was needed because God told them to sell their land. Not only that, Steely chirped, knowing he was on dangerous ground. They also said that they had about $15,000 saved towards the house and they were going to put it on the land, and they wanted to give that to, give that as well. When that happened, we all went crazy. We were crying and praising and thanking God. It was wild, man. Mick, having just about had enough of his thunder stolen, looked at Steely and said, Look, man, you can tell the next story, okay? This one's mine. Now go pray or something, okay? Anyway, Mick paused, looking at Steely with a challenge. Then the land sold, and we added up all the money. It became exactly the same amount as the money we could remember we needed to pay back to all the people we ripped off. Ain't that just like God? 
Yeah, I mean, yes, that is just like God, Tom agreed, trying to remember when that kind of love had ever been shared within the Christian circles he frequented or when some direction God had given had been confirmed so clearly. And and that's what we're doing here, Steely offered with that new bravado, feeling he had the right to speak because the story was over and now he was answering a new question. We're on our way to pay back Papa and Mama Joe. Down a little grocery store on 4th and Bigsby Street, and people been ripping them off for years. When it all got added up, we figure we owe them about $2,500, so we're taking it to them. It's the last of our money and the last of what we owe, so we're done. You mean you're carrying $2,500 in cash on you on the street? Tom exclaimed, realizing his voice was getting high again. He quieted himself to almost a whisper. Do you realize what would happen if word got out that you were going to Papa Joe's with $2,500 cash in your pockets? Have you any idea how many people would take you out, as you say, for the kind of money that they know you're carrying? They did know. We heard that Emilio found out this morning, and that's what just happened, Steely said, pointing back to the place where they had been stopped. They knew? How did... Now, wait a minute, Tom said. If they knew, and you knew that they knew, what in the world would possess you to walk out there with $2,500 in your pocket? Well, Mick replied, we prayed. And God said we could go today, that everything would be okay. We all had a peace in our hearts and that today was the day. So we went, and here we are. As the statement rolled from his grinning lips, he made a wide, deep sweep with his arm, a gesture somewhat like Tom remembered one of those models in some game show would employ as the curtain gave way to reveal a refrigerator or some other appliance. You guys are nuts, that's all I can say. You got to be crazy walking down the street with $2,500 in your pockets when you knew people would be looking for you because that they knew you had it on you. We could have gotten killed. Mick and Steely looked at each other. A combination of expressions, those of surprise and hurt, showed that Tom at least had not angered them, but by his last ignorant statement, maybe we didn't make ourselves clear, Mick finally said. Our Lord said we could come today. He has protected us every other time. Why wouldn't he do it now? The expressions on their faces were ones of true wonderment. All of a sudden it hit Tom. They really walked in faith with their God. Not like he did, with his own limitations. Preconceived notions and built-in fears, but in absolute, childlike, totally trusting, unquestioning faith. They lived it. Less than one year old in their faith, Tom thought, but having faith and maturity unlike anyone I've ever met. He'd only read about it in books of Acts, but now he was seeing it in the flesh and blood. Waves of embarrassment, shame, and repentance flowed through him as he sat there looking at the two of God's children, his true children, unblemished until he came along. They needed to trust what God said to even survive here. Even every move, each move they made, every step they took, was done only after they had consulted their Father in heaven, just like Jesus did. When they were assured of what should be done, they simply did it, without question, no matter what the outcome. All of a sudden, Tom felt like a cancer cell that had just introduced itself into a healthy body. His doubts, fears, and religion seemed very distasteful to him. Tom almost felt ill again. He certainly felt very ashamed and very, very unchristlike. That kind of stuff's been happening around here since we got saved, Steely exclaimed, referring to the old man with the brilliant eyes and again stated, started in the direction of Papa Joe's. Sometimes it's whole gangs of really big guys or a lone old woman or even young kids. It's never done the same way, but the outcome is always the same.
Yeah, boom. Everything changes, just like before, Mick broke in, referring to the most recent incident. Steely continued in childlike awe, so deep in thought that Mick's interruption didn't even register. Like that old guy, the one that whispered something powerful in Emilio's ear back there. He had to be one of them, one of those angels. He must have been sent by Jesus to help us. You got to admit, we were about out of quarters before he showed up, weren't we? While he kicked an empty soup can into the distance, Steely glanced bright-eyed toward heaven in honest praise and exclaimed, Ain't Jesus wonderful? I mean, he not only died for us, but now he lives to take care of us. You know, this would make a great fairy tale. Boy, am I glad. Mick stopped for a moment as the Lord planted a wonderful thought in his mind and then applied it as truth to his heart. Tom and Steely kept walking, absorbed in thoughts of their own. Wow, Mick cried, running up to catch up. Father God must really enjoy being involved in our lives, he began enthusiastically. Both men stopped and looked at him, waiting for him to elaborate. I mean, he continued, awestruck, and not so much talking to Steely and Tom as he was simply expressing what he had been shown. Think of the hundreds, no, millions of times each day that he helps all of us. <clears throat> he protects us. He holds us close, changes us, teaches us how to live our so our lives are worth something. And most of the time, we don't even know all that he is doing. Or he hesitated. Or sometimes we don't even care. His countenance became saddened for a moment, and then he brightened as the Lord reassured him of his love. But even... Then he is pleased to be a part of our lives, even if we don't always let him know how glad we are that he is. Then shaking his slowly from side to side while staring at the sidewalk, he said quietly, Boy, are we blessed. Increasing his decibel level, he exclaimed, Man, we sure are blessed, aren't we? He made eye contact with Tom and Steely and both nodded in agreement. As the trio resumed their journey towards Papa Joe's, each in his own way quietly giving thanks for their Father in Heaven, for the, his moment of evident hand in their lives and for their newly refreshed knowledge of the heritage that Jesus their Savior had won for them. For Tom, the day seemed brighter. His fear seemed much less evident and his curiosity to learn more about Jesus. Mick, Steely, Papa Joe, and anything else his father had in store for him was heightened. This is going to be fun, he said out loud before he could catch himself. His two companions, their eyes bright with surprise, looked at each other, then at Tom and back at each other before they burst out laughing. Oh, preacher man, Steely said, putting his arm around Tom and giving him one-armed hug as the three walked in the joy of the moment. You might make it after all. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But don't forget who's buying the tickets for this trip, Mick added with a smile, giving Tom a gentle poke in his ribs with his elbow. What an incredible thought that we would be so in touch with the Spirit of the Lord, so close to the Spirit of the Lord. That childlike faith, the Bible talks about it, Jesus talked about it, you know, to, to come unto him as a child, uh, that, that, that having that, that, and we've seen it. If, if you've been around children at all, you understand it completely. They simply don't understand that they don't need to have any fear, that they don't need to think any other way than what they see right in front of them. What an incredible thought that you could take the Bible, read it, take the time to read it, and not have man's interrupted in interpretations. That you take the Bible for its true value, 
It's true written word. And not only do you believe it, but you begin to walk it out. You begin to live it day in and day out. When's the last time you stopped to ask God about what you should do in any given situation of your day? When's the last time you stopped to thank him for taking care of you at any given moment during any given day? Oh, yeah, we always do when we're faced with a trial or a tribulation or we just happen to miss the semi that nearly took us out in the intersection. Uh, those moments are, are, are free, right? But what about the everyday life? What about the, the, the moment we open our eyes in the mornings that we begin to thank God for giving us another day to do what he wants us to do and to begin to seek him for discernment, for direction, for wisdom on how he would have us walk each day out? Thankful for every opportunity that he places in front of us. Thankful for every gift he gives us. What, what an incredible thought. What an incredible journey as we continue on with a white stone. God bless you guys. That was chapter 10. We'll be headed into chapter 11 next week. Thank you so much for following along. Thank you for walking with us on this journey. Thank you for your support and your prayers. Ron and I love you. We're praying for you. Pray that God blesses you immensely. Find yourself in a house of worship tomorrow, a fire-breathing, fire-living, fire-walking place where God's Spirit is evident and is real. Pray your way there as you go. Amen. Let God's Spirit move on you tomorrow, and let it begin to move tonight as you prepare for whatever it is He has in store for you. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll talk to you again real soon.